Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the ISI Life Podcast. On today's show, I sit down with Bill Ryan, who is an amazing man, um, an entrepreneur, a disciple, and many other things, as you'll hear in his intro um, right as we kick things off. This conversation with Bill is extremely rich. He's um, an extremely successful guy that's been a mentor to myself, as well as many of the other ISI guys. So without further ado, um, I hope you guys all enjoy this episode and this conversation with Bill Ryan. Well, Bill, thank you so much for joining me today and being on the ISI podcast. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. It's a pleasure, Nick. I've been excited. You've been on our list of people that need to be on the podcast, need to be a speaker at one of our retreats for a long time. So I'm excited to connect. So for those of us that don't know you, uh, give us a little background on Bill Ryan and maybe the 5,000 foot view. 5,000 foot view. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a grateful, joyful slave of Jesus Christ. I'm a flawed vessel, a disciple of Jesus Christ and a student of his word, a discipler, a witness, and a fisherman. I'm a role player on Christ's team, a branch capable of producing fruit, a friend, a lover, a son, a brother, a husband, a father, a grandfather, a son-in-law, brother-in-law, and father-in-law, and highly blessed in all those areas, an entrepreneur, an athlete, and for a few who might listen to this, I'm a gladiator. I'm a recovering type A. I'm a senior citizen, sometimes known as a geezer. I'm a confidant, a counselor, a beneficiary, a benefactor, a minister, a saint, and a bozo on the bus. Wow. I love that. Oh man, that is some good. That is some good stuff. That is well. <laughs> is that a five thousand foot view? <laughs> yes, that is a perfect five thousand foot view. Oh man, and uh, man, and so much there, right? Geez, you could you could touch on any one of those for hours, I'm sure. So, <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for that list. A little bit of a a little bit. Where, where'd you grow up? Where Where'd you grow up? Where'd you spend most of your time? Give us a little bit of the the family kind of history there. Yeah, I can, I can give you a little bit of that. And that may come under the heading of, of family. Okay. Um, but I had phenomenal parents. My dad was a genius. Um, he was admitted to Harvard. Um, won't go through the whole story, but the, the short story is he graduated from undergraduate in two years, uh, pre-med, and then went to uh, medical school and did his thing in medical school. Um, my mother looked like a movie star, and she also skipped a grade or two when she was in, in uh, mm. school. So, mm. you know, I was born on third base and thought I hit a triple. Mm. And, um, and we moved a lot when I was a kid because my dad was in training. So we, uh, we actually uh, lived in seven states by the time I was in fourth grade. Wow. And, um, and the short story on that is um, I uh, went to church when I was a kid. I think my parents thought it was a, an important thing to do. Um, but by the time I was in junior high school, um, we didn't go to church anymore. Uh, we were very achievement oriented. And 
the deal on Sunday was sleep in because you're going to study for the rest of the day and get yourself ready to excel next week. Wow. And, um, and so I kind of found my way back into church when I was in high school through friends and a little bit in college. Um, but I didn't come to Christ, really know who Christ was until I was coaching at Western Michigan University and one of the athletes came up to me after practice one day and he said, coach, he said, are you Christian? And I said, yeah, Ron, I'm a Christian. And he said, so if you were to die in a car wreck on your way home tonight after practice and you wound up at the pearly gates and you were asked why you should be admitted to heaven, what would your answer be? Hmm. And I said, I've, tried to live a pretty good life and I haven't uh, done anything really nasty to anybody. And uh, uh, maybe I, maybe I've got a spot here. Yeah. He said, would you like to join me in the stands before practice tomorrow and just read the book of John? And I said, sure, be happy wow. to do that. So we met two hours before practice and read the entire book of John and the scales fell off my eyes. I realized that for whatever time I'd been spending playing religion, I didn't have a relationship. Hmm. And, and now I had a relationship. So I prayed to receive Christ with an athlete that well, I was beating up on a regular basis in the pool. Yeah. He maybe wanted you to take it easy on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't get him any of that. Yeah. No, I mean, I was going to ask, did you have much of a relationship with this swimmer? Uh, you know, about 10 years ago, I called him out of the blue and I just said, Ron, I don't know if you remember this, but I reacquainted him with what had happened in the locker room and in wow. the stands. And I said, I just want you to know you have a lot of spiritual grandchildren. Mm. That's amazing. What a cool, you know, cool story of him, you know, being the student or the and being, you know, going to the coach and saying, you know, asking that question, that's amazing courage for him to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, to, to answer the family side of things, I, I had great parents. I've got a brother, uh, who is also really bright, uh, entrepreneur in New York city and Las Vegas. Um, and he and I have deep faith discussions that so far have not resulted in, uh, assurance of eternity together in heaven, but we're still having those discussions. So that's a good thing. Yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, and I married into a, a family that was, was Christian through and through. And I learned how to pray at the dinner table from my father-in-law. Hmm. Wow. Amazing story. So that's, that's awesome that you were led to faith by the swimmer and, you know, encouraged by the family and, uh, and whatnot. And, and fitness has certainly been a big, you know, big part of your life with, with swimming and, you know, um, just in many ways. And, you know, you mentioned that your father is a way to, a way to connect with him. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, as little as I saw my dad, uh, one of the things that sort of registered was he was into sports. He had been the center on his basketball team in prep school and a pitcher on the baseball team. <clears throat> and whenever I saw him, we, threw the football around or did something athletic. And so I just found myself uh, focusing on that to, to get his attention. Mm. 
And, um, and then with all those moves, um, I found myself in a brand new school with brand new classmates and it was a way for me to connect. Mm, yeah. And so, uh, over all those years, um, all those moves, it was just an easy transition for me to connect with the guys who were playing ball or doing whatever they were doing. And, uh, and ultimately it sort of became a platform for ministry. Yeah. And what do you mean by that? Well, I think it's important to recognize that whenever you're putting your quarter on the table in athletics or anything else, you're going to have some successes or failures. And I've had both. Um, and, and I think it's fair to say that uh, it's sometimes been a blessing and a curse, meaning it's too important to me sometimes. Hmm. Um, it, it, it's a blessing from the standpoint that I grew up on a street in Battle Creek, Michigan, Country Club Drive, <clears throat> that had a lake on one side and the golf course on the other side. It was as idyllic as it could be. And yet on our street, we had two or three young people have to go to heroin rehab. Two people committed suicide. Hmm. One was convicted of breaking and entering, whose father was a vice president at Kellogg's. Um, it was a mess. Wow. And my brother and I were spared that. I think in large part because God gave us some athletic ability and, and a drive to use it yeah, and kind of steered us off from all the other paths that we might've wound up on. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, just reading between the lines, you know, the, the success and the, you know, the excellence, the bar that was set by your family, you know, and your dad, yeah. you know, bled into you know, how far do you, you know, push into this thing? I know you said it, you know, in our, in our pre-discussion, just kind of anything, <laughs> anything is worth over, overdoing, right? Is that anything you, worth that you, doing is worth overdoing. Anything. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, that, Which, and that, I'm sorry, go ahead. I would just say, how, you know, how do you find the balance in there? I mean, what's the lesson in that um, for anyone listening? Because I think we can all relate to that as, as achievers. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things I've learned in developing mission statements for businesses and then ultimately for myself is that you need to ask the question, why? Why are you doing this? And initially, I think it was to get my dad's attention. And then it became uh, important for me to impress the girls and... <laughs> And so I was, I was dedicated to making sure that I was uh, an attractive uh, commodity in that regard. And one of the things that I've had to be vigilant about is making sure that it doesn't become my God. Right. Um, and just a couple of stories. I uh, ran into a guy named Andy McCartney who owns a company called Bowden Manufacturing in um, the Willoughby area. And Andy is a very gifted athlete. He played high school basketball and ran cross country and played tennis. <clears throat> and he was a squash player at the Naval Academy. Very good tennis player. And I had not played tennis for about 30 years. Hmm. I had been uh, a, a good tennis player in high school. Um, city champion, that kind of thing, and then realized that my city wasn't that good, and I became frustrated with the game and just, 
why bother? <laughs> and and uh, and I wound up in a doubles match that Andy was in and pretty much got smoked. But for some reason, Andy took me under his wing and we started playing and we played for about 10 years. Wow. And we played once a week and he smoked me pretty much every time. In 10 years, I got two sets off him. Never, never won a match. <laughs> so that gives you an idea of the disparity. But when we started, it wasn't close. And there was no reason for him to come back to play tennis, but he, he just did it for the relationship. Hmm. And as, as my game improved and I kind of got some things back, he had to step up his game to continue to dominate me. Yeah, he had to stay on top. Yep. And it got to be that I realized how much fun competition really is. It's not a zero-sum game. And the two of us would have points where we'd be banging the ball back and forth, and you'd start laughing halfway through a point. <laughs> and yeah. and and amazing miraculous shots were coming off and somebody would win the point and we'd both collapse laughing on their, awesome. and then we'd regroup and start the, start the match again. And it took me a little while to realize I can apply that to other sports and everything else I do. Life is not a zero sum game. Mm. And so uh, it definitely helped me with swimming. Uh, I used to sit in a corner and the message to everybody was, just leave me alone. My eyeballs are turned inward, and I'm focusing on the race. And once the race is over, then I'll be conversant again. Yeah. And I learned to just connect with people in the stands and have a good time and have my eyeballs turn inward when I stepped up on the blocks. Just, just have a good time and relate to people and develop relationships. Hmm. And so... That really translated well, I think, to an assignment I got from a guy named Joe Farini, who is well known in the Cleveland area for discipling people. Oh, yeah. And he charged us with developing our mission statement for life. And I said to him, I think I've got that, Joe. I don't have to go away and think about it. I think that the mission statement is Matthew 22, 37 to 40. It's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these. That answers the question, why? Why do we live? That's why we live. Hmm. And, and then I said, and I'll give you another one. I've got a mission sta- or a vision statement too. And the vision statement is Matthew 28, 19. All authority on heaven and earth has been granted unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He said, that's great. But he said, I want you to combine those. And he said, I want it to be short. And I said, okay, then I have to go away and think about that for two weeks. And I came back two weeks later and I said, okay, I think I've got it. And it's three words. Love God contagiously. Wow. And so that has been uh, a a really easy, I I don't have a great memory, right? Uh, Especially as a geezer. So 
if I keep it short, I can memorize it. And that, that's one that can apply to pretty much everything I do now. And my loving God contagiously should apply to everything I'm doing. Mm. I love that. That's so good, man. Contagiously. That's, that's a powerful, powerful word within there. Thank you. So, um, we are talking about, um, swimming a little bit and I want you to share the story cause it's, it's amazing. And I think, uh, is recalling, um, I think you accidentally sent me a picture that I wasn't supposed to receive, but it was pretty gory. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you meant it for a different Nick, but, um, uh, anyway, I got it. And I remember thinking what in the world is going on here? So please tell us a story about the, uh, the wall. Okay. I'll, I'll weave a couple of stories into one story. Um, okay. So in uh, 2011, I realized that the Senior Olympics were coming to Cleveland, the National Senior Olympics, in 2013. It was right at the end of 2011, and I thought, you know, if I don't get back into this now, I never will. I'd been off swimming for 40 years. Wow. And, and so I started training the last month or two of 2011. You had to qualify for the nationals in the state championships the previous year. So in 2012, I had to enter this, the Ohio State Senior Olympics and qualify for the nationals. Right. Um, so the nationals are in Cleveland, and I don't know how good I am. I don't know how well I'm going to do. I don't know how good these other states are. I show up and I get two silver medals, which exceeded my expectations, Nick. <laughs> and and I was I was kind of jazzed about it, but I in retrospect I thought I could have and should have won that 50 freestyle. <laughs> so so now it's working on me. Are are you getting this obsessive compulsive attitude that I bring to everything. To so want to be a winner. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not gold. So nice silver, but thank you very much. I'll, I'll uh, continue to train and see if I can improve on that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, four years later, I competed in the senior Olympics again, and this was in Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. And this time I was at the top of my age group. So the, the age group at the time was uh, 60 to 64, uh, yeah, 60 to 64, and then 65 to 69. And uh, I was 69. I was, I was going into my 69th birthday, and I thought, there are a bunch of young guys here who are going to blow my doors off. I, I don't belong in this competition, but... I'll get my quarter on the table and let's see what happens. Maybe I'll, I'll stay close to competition. I'll remember what competition is so that uh, in a couple of years I can compete again and I'll be at the bottom of my age group and then I yeah. can get the gold. Yeah. A couple of years makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. So June 6th of 2016, I showed up for the 50 freestyle and won it. Amazing. Now, you need to understand that I won it by the narrowest of margins. Really? What I, was the, what was the margin? I, I won by uh, four hundredths of a second over <laughs> second place. And I think I was six hundredths of a second ahead of third place. 
Oh my gosh! So it it was a it was a really close race. Good thing you didn't cut your fingernails that day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, wow. so so I'm totally blown away. I'm surprised, and my competition is totally surprised too. And then I begin to think, you know, I was just showing up here, and I haven't been training a lot of butterfly, but I was always a better butterflyer than freestyler, hmm. and I had butterfly the next day. That was June 7th. And so now I'm in it. I'm I'm not showing up to just go through the motions the next day. I'm in it to win the butterfly. Yeah, these competitive juices are flowing now. There they are. Go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Woke up a monster. Yeah. So it, <laughs> so it came time for the, the 50 butterfly. And as I was proceeding to the blocks and stepping up on the blocks, my goggles fogged up. And there's a whole preparation that takes place. So you've got caps over your goggles and so forth. And I didn't have time to put a stop to the race while I cleared up my goggles. And I thought, oh, well, I've been through this race a lot of times before. I'll be fine. Wow. So the starter sent us. And I have to say, I felt super. I remember halfway through that first length thinking, this is really fast and getting a little smile on my face. Like, I wonder if I'm going to pull this off again. And I was keeping my head down because in butterfly, you have to keep your hips up. And the way to do that is to keep your, the front of your body down. Right. And so I don't breathe at all in a 50 butterfly, meaning you're, you're using the targets on the bottom of the pool, not the end of the pool. And just as I'm thinking, I haven't seen the target on the bottom of the pool, which is five feet away from the end of the pool. I hit the wall. Oh my! It, it was it was one of those. Oh, you were going you were going full speed. Yeah, full speed. And if you've seen butterfly, you know that you kind of accelerate in one point of the stroke as you're finishing the stroke. That's the point at which I I hit the wall. Mm. Mm. And it was. Um, I heard a crunch, oh, and I and I thought, huh, if that's a spinal cord, I'm paralyzed. And then I realized I'm paralyzed. I'm in, in 14 the- feet of water, yeah, and I can't move. Whoa. And as I'm sinking to the bottom of the pool, I think, you know, if the lifeguard doesn't realize I'm in trouble, I'm going to drown. And parenthetically, that's going to be embarrassing right here at the middle of nationals. Oh, my gosh. And um, as I'm sinking to the bottom of the pool, I had a verse of scripture come to mind. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And I thought, I, I'm, I, I may be one step from heaven. And if that's the case, I win. If they pull me out, then I've got something more to do here on earth. And if that's the case, I win. Yeah. Heads I win, tails I win. And I had a piece that passed all understanding as I'm drifting and touching the bottom of the pool. Yeah. Wow. Either way, we're good. Yeah. And <laughs> and um, the lifeguard ultimately did show up. I don't know how long I was underwater. Probably a minute and a half. Really? That long? Yeah, but... Thankfully, I had hyperventilated before the race, so I I, I had a little 
you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're holding some oxygen in your body. I was ready. Yeah. And, uh, and so they, they pull me out and I break the surface and they've got the board on me and they pull me out of the, out of the water and I'm paralyzed. I cannot move. Oh my gosh. And it was probably 15 minutes later as they're loading me onto the ambulance that I realize maybe I'm getting a little bit of a sense of feeling in my hands and my toes. Like mm-hmm. I, I can move my hands and toes. And I thought mm-hmm. that's really a good sign. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was just following this sense of, am I going to be a quadriplegic? And I, I heard this small, still voice say, yeah, I've been with you for your whole life. I'm with you right now. We've got this. Yeah. And, and I just sensed, okay, if I'm a quadriplegic and you can use it, I'm in. <laughs> and, 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 and now all of a sudden I'm getting some feeling back. And as I get the feeling back and they finally get me to the emergency room and I'm laying in the emergency room, pretty much a lot of feeling comes back. I've got neuropathy in my arms and shoulders and chest but it feels like somebody's got a blowtorch on me. Mm. And I found even a piece in that, not so much praying for a relief from the pain, but just praying. And I found that whenever I prayed, the pain went away. Wow, really? Yeah. And, and so I'm laying there and I'm praying and one of the things that comes to mind is this why question. And, and it turned from why. It's not so much um, why is this happening to me, but what do you want me to do with this, Lord? And I got a sense that I was going to be speaking. I'm going to use you to, to deliver this message. And... That's extraordinary because I went through high school terrified of public speaking. <laughs> and, and now I'm sensing, okay, this is your new assignment. And the short of that story is God has used this as a platform to speak to audiences who have an interest in kind of the whole story. Yeah, uh, It would be really embarrassing to just be able to tell people that yeah, I swam a butterfly race and I slammed into the wall and I had the slowest 50 butterfly fly in the history of competitive swimming because they finally turned the clock off at 15 minutes. Oh my God. But, but to be able to start it off with, yeah, the but the four. day before I got a gold medal. So <laughs> it's a little easier to tell the whole thing. Yeah. You earned the right to listen. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. An amazing story, and just the obedience, you know, and just the trust and the peace that you felt is astounding. Well, you know, the thing that occurred to me is as you're drifting to the bottom of the pool, it's not the stuff that you have, it's not the accolades that you've accumulated, it's not even your religion or your church, it's a relationship that's drifting to the bottom of the pool with you that gives you a peace, and that was a relationship with Jesus. And that that is something that I don't think you can just reach out and have if you haven't had it. Mm-hmm. I think that was a real blessing 
of having uh, a lot of years, <laughs> recognizing sure. the, the, that I have a lot of years as a geezer, a lot of years in just spending time with, with God. Right. And, and having that come back to me on the way down to the bottom of the pool uh, was really a blessing. So interesting, you know, bringing that full circle back to Ron, the swimmer that, you know, challenged you, if, you know, if you were drifting to the bottom of the pool and you hadn't had that conversation um, and he asked you that question, you may have had a different feeling as you're drifting to the bottom of that pool. It's true. And, and I'll share one more quick story with you along that line. There's a guy uh, on our lake uh, by the name of Ryan Neighbors. And Ryan had maybe gone to church a little bit when he was younger. Um, and he got married and uh, changed denominations. And, and as a family, they weren't going to church a whole lot. And I don't think he read the Bible much, um, but he was probably the best water skier on the lake. And he lived right across the street from me. Hmm. And Ryan was a horse. He is a horse. And I have weight machines and a, and a fully equipped gym. And Ryan and I were talking and I invited him to train with me. And I thought that everything I was doing was to failure. I, I try to train to failure. So I turn purple and shake and can't do anymore and I'm done. And then I do it again. And, <laughs> and, and, and so Ryan is invited to do this and he readily accepted. And I thought that I was maxing out before, but Ryan is 40 years my junior and really strong. And he was going 20% more than I was. And so I reached down and found pretty close to that 20%. There you go. Ryan, Ryan pulled that out of me. And so it was a platform for ministry because we were able to talk about more than just training while we were doing that. Mm -hmm. The short of that is Ryan had a terrible uh, medical situation hit him two years ago in which in one Easter day, he came down with meningitis, leukemia, and uh, gallstones. What? All and at the same he, time? All at the same time. Yeah, oh. he, he began to shake in church, and he had to leave. And, and ultimately, um, he hmm. got diagnosed, and he spent on the order of six months in the hospital. Hmm. And since then, he has almost fully recovered. He's water skiing again and so forth. But in that whole process, he knew where to reach in terms of relationship because he'd heard my story. Yeah. And, and uh, he is now an active part of our Bible study. And he has been asked to give his story to larger groups. Mm. So I think one of the things that I, I might just share with anybody who cares is we all have stories. We all have circles of influence, whether it's work or family or hobbies or whatever we're doing. And all those can be platforms for ministry. We just have Absolutely. to look out for the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And we have those, those experiences that we go through um, and to not waste them, but to use them, to share them, to you know, use those experiences to, yeah. to help others. You know, that's... Yeah. That's, I mean, that's very powerful. That's really cool. And, and you obviously, you know, you're doing that, you know, you're a living example of that. 
Well, I appreciate you saying that. Um, and it really occurs to me that God doesn't need any of us for any of these ministries, mm-hmm. but he privileges us to include us in ministry. Yeah. And so uh, it's it's really a source of, of great joy. Yeah. No, I'm going to... I'm going to take a second, if you don't mind, and just share a couple of verses that on the backside of all this have given me a chance to digest what it all means. Um, And the first one is, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? And my definition of prize has changed from high school to now. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. That's in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. And then there's another one, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. That's 1 Timothy 4, 7 to 8. And the last one is, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's Romans 12, 1 to 2. And I just have to say, um, thank you, Lord. Thanks for first loving me. Thanks for this inspiration. Yeah. And those are, those are awesome verses, especially to share with, you know, anyone who is, you know, highly competitive It helps you kind of keep uh, focus on, you know, why, you know, why you're pursuing those things. Why are you pursuing that, that prize or that, that destination? Um, you know, there's, there's one other quick story along this line. And, and that is a friend of mine, Dan Sell was coaching the basketball team at Cornerstone Christian Academy. And I knew that he had coached a state championship there, but I hadn't really seen him play. And I hadn't talked to Dan in a couple of years. And I just thought of him and I looked up the schedule for Cornerstone Christian Academy and wound up going to a game. And they were playing Mentor High School. Now, if you know Cornerstone Christian Academy, it's in the smallest or second smallest uh, division in the state of Ohio. And they were playing the largest high school in the state of Ohio. And I thought, well, they might be good, but Menor's probably going to show them what good really is. Yeah, David versus Goliath there. Yep. Short of the story is, they wound up winning in double overtime at Menor. Oh, my. And the following week, I looked at their schedule again and realized they're playing St. Joe Villa uh, uh, Angela. Yeah. And I didn't know how good they were, but I knew they were a great athletic school. And so they're playing at St. Joe Villa Angela. I might as well go to that game. (laughs) So I walk in and I 
see all these state championship banners on the gym ceiling for basketball. Yeah. Including within the last couple of years. And they're a division above Cornerstone Christian Academy. So I'm thinking, oh, they're going to have their hands full today. The short of that story is they beat Villa Angela St. Joe in double overtime <laughs> at their, their gym. <laughs> yeah. Their so as, as they're walking off the floor at the end of the game, I go up to my friend Dan and I say, are all your games like this? <laughs> he said, this is killing me. And then he said, by the way, he said, we've got the regionals coming up. And he said, would you speak to our team before their regional final? And I said, sure, I'd be glad to do that. And then I went away and I thought, what do I say to a team like that? I've just watched them be two great teams in double overtime. And here's, here's the way it shook out. We got in the locker room and all these guys are kind of gathered around. And I said, if we, if we had time, I'd, I'd sit down and you guys would stand up and tell me what you're doing because I've got a lot to learn from you. I watched you win those two double overtime games. But we don't have that kind of time. And your coach has asked me to say something to you. So maybe there's one thing I can offer to you. Do you think it really matters if you win the basketball game tonight, do you think we're going to solve poverty or world hunger or the drug crisis in Ohio? If you win the basketball game tonight, the answer is no. I said, from that standpoint, it doesn't matter. And I'm feeling my friend Dan kind of over in the corner going, where's he going? <laughs> where's he, going? He, he brings this around. <laughs> this is a giant mistake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I said, but if you conduct yourselves well, if you play basketball well, if you conduct yourself with character, people understand excellence. The world is drawn to excellence and they will want to know what makes you tick. And if they see the face of Jesus and they're drawn to that face of Jesus, then it doesn't just matter a little bit. It matters infinitely for eternity. Hmm. So with that, go out and be excellent tonight. Wow. So uh, the short of the story is <laughs> they won that game, so I didn't blow it. Double overtime? Or did they? Actually, <laughs> there, there is a little bit more to that story. They won that game handily. There you go. But they went to the state championship and wound up in the finals of the state championship and they went to double overtime. Oh. And as they're going into double overtime, I'm thinking, they've got this. I've I've seen this before. They know yeah. what to do. They lost in double overtime by one point with a basket at the buzzer. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But what an amazing. What an amazing story. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that kind of exemplifies the fact that God redefines success for us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and success is not, uh, not a matter of the medals or the accolades. It's a matter of conducting yourself in faith. Yeah. What an amazing lesson for those, you know, for you to share and for those, you know, those young young boys to hear at that time. It's well, once again, it was a privilege. Yeah. 
Bill, these, these stories are amazing. We could, we could go on for hours and um, hopefully we can connect on a future episode and, and share, you know, much more. I know you have a lot more from the business and the family element of ISI to talk about too, but um, maybe just in, in kind of a, kind of a, a cool down here as we, as we approach landing, um, you know, about you, just, you've talked about a lot of stories and you've talked about a lot of verses that have been extremely helpful, but what about joy? What, what for you brings you the most joy? Um, that's an easy one. Uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to answer that properly 20 years ago, but reflecting on a life of 72 years, it's sensing God's working through me to draw someone else to himself and then working with them to equip them to do the same for someone else. Again, I, I know he doesn't need me in that process, but sometimes he chooses this broken vessel. And there's just a sense of joy that I couldn't have imagined before, before I participated. Uh, that's, and that's so consistent with what you said earlier of your, your first two answers to Joe Farini and you know what ultimately you shortened into love God contagiously. Thanks. That's awesome. Um, I, I know uh, you've mentioned a lot of things here. Are there any, uh, any particular books you're reading right now or you know, ones that you've read over time that you know, if you were giving your top recommendations, uh, some must-reads? Uh, yeah, uh, there are a few. Uh, one is a book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn, mm. and um, it's about a 450-page book. And I got 80 pages into that and realized this is life-changing. And so I went back and started taking notes. And I probably didn't do justice to the book with three pages of notes, but it it summarizes what Randy Alcorn says the Bible says about heaven. Wow. And it is so exciting that it caused me to think about Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Excess- Successful People. And one of those habits is begin with the end in mind. Most people have no idea what the end in mind is. And if you sense that heaven is about going up to heaven and you sprout wings and you float up and sit on a cloud and play a lyre forever. That sounds boring. <laughs> but if, if anybody is interested, I'd be glad to send three pages of these notes. And it's really exciting. It has changed lives by wow. seeing those uh, descriptions of heaven and saying, oh, I want to know more about that. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd like the notes personally. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've read, uh, I've read some other Randy Elkhorn books, um, treasure principle being one of them, but yeah, that's, um, yeah, I've not read that one. So and great recommendation. There's another book called halftime by Bob Buford. Yep. And that book I have assigned to anybody who asks me to disciple them. And I don't wait for halftime. I don't, I don't, think that that's a book you ought to read when you're 45 years old or 40. I think that's a book you ought to read when you're 22 and you're starting on your career and you're thinking in terms of significance as well as success. Hmm. Okay. So uh, that's been, that's been powerful. And then I'll, I'll just mention one other quick thing and you can edit this out if we don't have time. No, it's good. I was, I was laughing because, uh, I, you know, people, a couple of people have mentioned that book and, I, and I've, I've intentionally been like, well, I'm not at halftime yet, so I'm not going to read yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
and, so and, thanks for changing my mindset about it. You're welcome. Um, I, I will mention one other thing. I'm um, connecting weekly with a bunch of guys we call the gladiators. And that's Tony Sepial and Sanj Kalra and Charlie Dane and Scott Jackson and Kenton Thompson. And these are a bunch of guys that I used to play tennis with kind of after Andy McCartney and I were done. I, Tony and I started playing tennis on a weekly basis and then going to do a Bible study. I asked him to disciple me and that grew into doubles. And then more guys are involved in playing tennis and discipling. And now we're meeting on a weekly basis via Zoom. And one of the things that we're doing is listing all of the songs that have really been impactful and are impactful to us, all the movies, all the Hmm. books, all the verses, and all the applications. And it's a wonderful exercise. Wow. And it gives you something more than just flip on the tube and see what's on. Yeah, yeah. You can be intentional. Are you, where are you guys keeping this list? Well, I have the, the cent, central list right now, but understand that it's a living document. Yeah. And so if I send that to you, I'm going to expect you to send stuff back to me. And if you want to share it with anybody else, um, to the extent that we can, we can have this thing living and growing, that would be oh, wonderful. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, there's a couple things I immediately thought of, but uh, I would much more, you know, enjoy to see what other people have put on there too. Well, awesome. Um, and you've mentioned uh, I was going to ask you about life verse. You know, do you have one either right now or one, you know, over time that's become, you know, a, a central focal point for you? I, I really shared the 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 three that really stand out right now. Yep. Uh, one of the things that Joe Farini asked us to do was to. Uh, give us our, give him our life verse. And I went back to the Bible and wound up reading the whole Bible all the way through and underlining all of my life verses. So my whole Bible is full of life verses. Yeah. I, but um, the, the first Timothy and then the two verses in Matthew really stand out. Yeah, that's what that's what I, I thought you might have said. Um, and those are really good. And and you know a lot of them speak to when I first asked you the five thousand foot view. I mean, you you rattled off twenty or twenty five good descriptors, and you could probably tie a lot of life verses to each one of those. Yeah, but, uh, I meant to say Philippians one twenty one. Okay, that's okay. to live as Christ and to die as gain. Uh, yep, and you mentioned that as that you were uh, floating to the bottom there. Yeah. So, um, man. Bill, thank you so much for this. It's been a real, real pleasure connecting with you. Um, for anybody else that uh, that wants to connect, I'm guessing we can just put your uh, email in the show notes. Does that is that a good way for people to connect with you? Sure. Yeah, happy to do that. And then uh, we can we can share more contact information. And um, I look forward to getting sharpened by any interactions. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I certainly, I mean, this has been a huge blessing to me, and I'm sure anybody that's listening to this will have. I mean, so many things to to sharpen themselves along the way. Well, uh, and th- thank you for this. And um, would you open to closing us in a word of prayer? Sure. Lord, what a pleasure it has been to spend time with you and Nick this morning and with anyone else who chooses to participate in this podcast. We know you don't need us to do your work, but sometimes you give us that privilege. We know that if we listen, we will hear opportunities to love you and others all the time. 
We know that if we obey, we will find love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that passes all understanding. Lord, thanks for first loving us and giving us love to share. We are gratefully yours. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, that was extremely powerful. So much wisdom, and I feel like we were only scratching the surface talking with Bill. And I uh, just wanted to do a little recap um, of, you know, going back through some of my notes in the conversation and, and you know, re-listening to it just to give you a quick recap of the conversation. You know, some, some big top takeaways I had that uh, and I'd love to know what your top takeaways were as well. So if you if you've listened to the show and you know got something out of this, please uh, you know please shoot us a comment or make a note. But one thing is that anything worth doing is worth overdoing. And I love his commitment to excellence that has been ingrained in him by his father and his mother and you know much of his you know adolescence. And but I think the important thing that I took away from it is to know why you're doing it. Know why what the prize is. Know why you're looking to do what you're doing. Um, and for it to be for God, but not for you. And that's a common theme we've seen as we interviewed successful entrepreneurs or athletes is that they know why they're doing. Um, the conversation that he had with those young men in the locker room, it wasn't about winning you know, the state championship, but you know, why are you doing it? So that stood out to me as a big one. Um, second one, which ties in with the first point, was to have a life mission statement. Uh, Joe Farini, who will hopefully get him on a future episode here, but he challenged Bill to make it short, make it memorable. Uh, so for his, it was to love God contagiously. And for him, that's just true in everything he does and everything he is. And uh, that's encouraging to me uh, in many ways. You know, each one of those words, um, you know, love God and then contagiously in a way that you do it that is contagious to others. I want to know more about that. Super cool. Um, and then the last one is true with his story. I mean, through and through is is that he used his experience and his influence to make a difference in the lives of others. He wasn't just sitting on his experience, um, whether it be his story of hitting the wall and how he's used that to talk to other swimmers, uh, his experience talking to the athletes in the locker room before you know that big game, or any of the other things. I, I didn't even get into the business side of his life and how much how much of that was a huge part of his story or really his family, but um, he's a man who is not just um, taking his treasures and bearing them with him, he's using them. He's, he's you know, living them out in the world. He's sharing them with other people. He is um, using them as a way to expand his influence with, with lots of other people. And I would encourage anyone listening to this that you have an amazing story too. You have amazing experiences and you, we all have influence, uh, whether it be just our neighbor or with our family. Um, or with our coworkers, we all have influence and we all have things that can lift other people up. And, um, you know, iron sharpens iron. You have ways that you can sharpen one another, um, regardless of where you are or where you've been. So I just encourage you to that. Thank you for listening to the episode. This has been a joy as always. And until next time, stay sharp, everyone.